0: Welcome back to another episode of the Hoops Temple podcast. Y'all know me, Nathan Schwartz, joining me from New Zealand on this wonderful American holiday, Dylan Williamson. Happy 4th of July, the birthday of the nation. Yeah, something like that, more (laughs) or less. It's it's a good day. We got a lot of of hot dogs, a lot of barbecues going on around the country, and so what better to do than... uh, spend a couple hours talking about basketball how are you enjoying the free agency yeah I mean this is a, a
1: nice and quiet free agency right there's not a lot of players to move around you know like the biggest free agency Zach Levine who was never going to leave James Harden who was never going to leave you know there's just not that many free agents to, to move around so it's it was always going to be a quiet
0: free agency or so we thought or so we thought, <laughs> because uh, Durant decided to just drop a stick of dynamite on it. And just because of our recording schedule, we haven't had a chance to discuss what exactly it's going to look like. I think last time Aaron and I potted, we just put everything to bed. Kyrie opted into his one-year deal literally during the podcast. And yeah. now now we've got Durant to a trade. I'm going to make sure that I have my phone out to get any Woj bombs. Uh, Wojbomb. Yeah, as i check my phone Brittany griner uh has <laughs> met ma- is uh requesting assistance from from washington dc so uh hopefully we can get her out of russia that'd be great
1: yeah that'd be ideal theoretically there shouldn't be any woge bombs today like nothing normally happens on the 4th of july except when gordon hayward went to boston i think that was the only one like the big event that happened on 4th of july and just like screwed
0: everything up pissed everyone off like come on man there was the initial cupcake assence with uh, Russell Westbrook's posting about uh, cupcakes, <laughs> acknowledging Durant's leaving him for the first time. Mm. Maybe, maybe we have a Fourth of July reunion for the duo. Yeah, well, we'll just we'll just get straight to it. A lot of the Kevin Durant destinations
1: are pretty, you know, well known at this stage. Um, <laughs> I kind of like the idea of him going to the Lakers.
0: Really? Yeah. Are we talking the combo KD and Kyrie for Russ and AD trade? That's what I'm talking about, yeah. The Nick Wright trade? Is Nick Wright actually (laughs) going to be Nick Wright for once as opposed to Nick Wrong? That'd be
1: incredible. I mean, Genie's sending out cryptic tweets. What else could it be?
0: Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Is it sad to say that even if that happens, I don't know that they're my title favorite next year? Yeah. Well, I guess it depends on if like Curry plays. If Curry plays like
1: seventy games, then they'll be ridiculous. You got you got some great signings such as Juan Toscano-Anderson. Hey, I'm rocking with Juan T. Yeah, no, the signings actually have been good. Um, but yeah, I just kind of like that idea. And I guess the the ultimate question is like, how much of your future draft assets are you willing to give up as the Lakers? Because to make any any deal ha- happen, they've they they have got access to two first round picks 2027 and 2029 they would both have to be 2029 would have to be unprotected 2027 i guess you could have convert to one second round pick um but most likely both unprotected and so how much are you willing to give up to either bring in kd or bring in kyrie get rid of russ um san antonio conveniently have like the exact amount of cap space as russell westbrook's contract so if you need to like bribe someone to just take westbrook as a third team um you know, it was only one year and they have kept space so like could you
0: get away with just one first round pick i think you gotta get one pick going to brooklyn at least and really this kind of feels like an undersell you know just with with the value i think durant still has um the ad injury history i mean AD would be a perfect player he's one of the players that you're actually able to trade that not being able to trade for a guy that's on a rookie max extension rule? Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Who who approved this rule?
1: <laughs> it really like um actually limits a lot of deals. Like you don't even think about it. Like BAM is the is the big one, you know, everyone that's what sort of brought that rule back to the public attention is mm-hmm. that you can't trade for BAM. But I thought a really interesting one would be Donovan Mitchell. You know, okay. swing a trade for Donovan Mitchell in a three-way yeah. Donovan Mitchell is also a designated player, so you
0: also can't trade for,
1: for Donovan Mitchell.
0: You know, even Devin Booker would have been a nice person to trade for, but you can't trade for Devin Booker. Can't trade for yeah, Zion right it, now.
1: Yeah. No, it makes it really hard to get back. I mean, the, the Nets supposedly want a trade that's going to keep them in title contention. Um, and it's really hard to get a good
0: player who's under contract who's also not, you know, the best player on his team. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about the Toronto scenario because I do like, I like the idea of Toronto, um, but if you're Brooklyn, you're demanding that Scotty Barnes be in this deal. Mm. And to be fair, if you're Toronto, you're probably like, okay, we have to give up Scotty. The rest of the guys are more ready to win right now. You know, can an OG Pascal Durant core with Freddie V and Gary Trent? Like, okay, yeah, that that's a solid, solid squad. But then to get salaries to match up you almost have to give up multiple of those other guys plus some draft capital just moving durant is such an insane proposition right now
1: yeah and supposedly like i've seen a lot of people saying that scotty would be like not available in that sort of trade which like if i'm the raptors like sure scotty barnes is you know theoretically has, you know 10 years of of being a pretty good player um Mm -hmm. would you move off of that before you know one, two, maybe three years of of Kevin Durant, because I kind of think that I would like if if they get KD and they're able to keep like Van Vliet and Siakam and hopefully an Anobi, like wouldn't they be right there as championship contenders? I think so,
0: but I don't think they actually can. Just from cap management, I think they have to give up more of their guys. Hmm. Um, I'm pull, pulling up their roster right now. Uh, and, and then pulling up Durant's salary. Yeah, Durant's making 44 a mil. Oh, yeah. That's a lot of money. Scotty's making 7.6. Yeah. So to to get that high. Yeah, no, you do
1: have to do the Siakam Vanfleet or Adenobi as well as Gary Trent and Scotty. Makes it a much harder sell.
0: Yeah. I mean, if it's Scotty, Gary Trent, and OG, that, that works numbers wise. And then you're left with Fred Van Vliet, Pascal. And Durant, which is a very good team. Yes. And, you know, I mean, if things break right, which, and the parody that we saw this last year, things very well could break right. I'm not saying that team couldn't win the championship, mm-hmm. but I, odds would be against it. Yeah. I think another thing that got shown to us in this past season is
1: that it's not just the days of where you've got to have three really good players and then you can play, you know, Timothy Mozgov and 47 year old Richard Jefferson. Like, depth actually matters now more and more in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And these deeper teams are the ones that are able to, you know, obviously the, the star players are the most important thing,
0: but the depth is really starting to become more and more important Um, in the playoffs. Do you think that might change next year? And my my thinking of why this might change is we just had three seasons pretty closely lumped together with the bubble and then the condensed season. And then this last year, like there's been a lot of basketball being played in pretty quick fashion. We've mm-hmm. also seen almost everyone in the NBA come down with COVID or be out with an exposure at some point. Um, so we've got some things going on in the lungs. We're, we're cramming a bunch of basketball together. And so depth has seemed really important. But as we kind of move out of the pandemic or you know, I want to be I want to still acknowledge that the pandemic is still ongoing, that people are still dying from this every day. But as businesses kind of move past it, uh, do we think depth might play a little bit less of a role in the next couple of years?
1: Um, I suppose in the in the regular season, perhaps like in the regular season, the past couple of years, like it's been a real test of depth, like everyone on your roster is getting minutes. Um But in the playoffs, we've kind of seen depth mattering to the extent that, like, you've got to have eight guys, at least all of whom you can put on the court. Um, And I don't really see that changing just because the playoffs more and more have become about, you know, there's this old cliche that the playoffs are not about what your strengths are. It's about what your weaknesses are. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think more and more, you've got to have, you know, you've got to have at least eight guys. Maybe you could get rid of seven, but I realistically eight guys just to play 48 times five minutes and you know you can't just have a guy there that can't shoot or can't defend or you know can't can't dribble like you' you can't have players with glaring weaknesses in the playoffs. Um, and for that reason I think quality depth is still going to be
0: important. That's fair. I mean with Golden State winning, Golden State showed that you didn't have to be able to play all of your guys in every series. We kind of had enough depth to have adaptability to try out some different looks and different matchups. It wasn't necessarily about you need six or seven great players or six or seven, you know, core rotation guys. It was like, hey, we've got these four, but then we've got these other four that maybe they play in this series, but not that one. A little bit of mix and match.
1: Right, exactly. And and to have the optionality to play different styles against different teams. Where it's needed to go, the more guard defenders like Gary Payton, or to go with more wings like Otto Porter, um, and then you know maybe you don't need to play those guys so much in the in subsequent series. Um, but yeah, you do need to have quality depth and quality players, and for that reason, that sort of trade that you're suggesting as, as possible for Toronto, and that I was almost sort of advocating for, I think that does really leave them short on quality depth for that reason is probably a hard sell. If you're going to say we're giving up 10 years of a really good player to go all in for these next couple of years, I think just leaving yourself so um, deprived of quality depth is probably makes that very difficult.
0: I think what all of this ultimately says to me is that Durant is not going to fetch quite the package that everyone thinks. Yeah. <clears throat> just... Just looking at it, you know, it, it's really hard to get all-star players back for Durant and that team to still be in contention. I mean, you could move Durant to Miami for Jimmy Butler, and you know, that makes Miami a slightly better team. Um, probably keeps him in contention. But there's talk that Durant doesn't want to go there unless Butler's there. You could flip hmm. him for Chris Paul, but I have no idea why Brooklyn would want Chris Paul. You can't actually trade him for Devin Booker. So and that kind of rules out Phoenix. I, I can go through and rule out a lot of teams. And I think the team that I've I've settled on at least in abstract hmm. is Portland. Okay. Going back to where he should have always been drafted, you know, the roots, the northwest roots, uh for some deal around Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp, and then just every pick under the sun i'm talking firsts and every pick swap in between
1: yeah and i i mean that sort of deal makes sense for brooklyn um but not if what they're supposed to ask in price or the kind of package that they're supposedly been looking for um is correct where they supposedly want multiple all-stars and players that are going to keep them in a position this year and going forward to remain in title contention like they don't want to bottom out, they don't own their own picks, that makes it, you know, takes away a lot of that incentive, they want to remain in championship contention by trading Durant for another or for multiple star level players, um, if they were open to this sort of blow it up trade, then I think Portland becomes really interesting, it's obviously a great fit for Durant, if, you know, Lillard, Durant, Jeremy, Grant, that's a pretty great, you know, that's a pretty great team, they'd be super expensive, like they're already well into the tax, so that'd be a real test as well. But yeah, basketball-wise, I think it's a great fit. It's great for Portland, but for Brooklyn, when they supposedly are wanting to remain in championship contention, it makes it really hard to find a deal with Portland, or with a lot of teams, really. Mm -hmm. I I still think that the most likely scenario is some sort of complex multi-team deal involving DeAndre to going to Brooklyn. I'd say that I mean that that could also be an explanation of why it's sort of taken a little while for this deal to to unfold like sure if you're sean marks like you want to field every offer but by now like you know which teams are interested which teams um you know have, have the kind of assets that you're looking for like it's a pretty narrow field at this point so then why is the deal taking so long um and one explanation is just the difficult cap mechanics of getting deandre and in, in a sign trade to brooklyn um, all the, all the you know, getting him to sign off on that and also finding their
0: teams to take on money um, to make that complicated cap shenanigans work out. Well, and one more thing from the cap aspect, any rookie that was just signed cannot be traded until the 31st of July. So if one of these teams were to try to give up a young asset, which I got to imagine, you know, even if your young asset is a player drafted in the 20s, like a Kessler Walker or Walker Kessler. I don't even know what his, which way those names go, um, but you know if that's you're like, hey, we want everything for this guy. We also want your draft pick, even if he was in the twenties. Um, you know, uh, you, you're going to hold off to the end of the month. Yeah,
1: and what do you think is like the likelihood that this carries on into the season? Like once we get to training camp, what what do you think is the likelihood that Durant is still on the Nets in training camp?
0: Honestly, I think it's pretty likely. I was just running through my head of like, when is the last time a true mega superstar has been traded with years left on their deal? Um, And I was really struggling, I was trying to think like, and the closest thing I could really think of was the Shaq deal. Um, And Shaq to Miami did not garner a great return. There does kind of get to be a price point where it's just, hey, this deal is too much. We cannot match this value, which makes the Rudy Gobert trade. All the more shocking because I think, mm. I, I think Utah made off like a bandit. Do you want to talk about that deal at all? Yeah, yeah, we can we can switch to that. I think we've pretty much covered Durant. That it's you know obvious suitors and it's difficult to do. I guess Gobert did not get pick swaps. There were not a, a lot of those in there. There was just the one. Oh, they got four future dr- draft picks. They got the Pat Bev, Jared Vanderbilt, Kessler, Walker, Leandro Balmaro, and. Uh, at least three unprotected, and I want to say the f- the farthest one out, the 2029, was top five protected.
1: Yeah. I mean, you don't really need a lot of pick swaps when you're already getting
0: um, four first round picks. Yeah. I, I can't <laughs> believe that some of those aren't actually pick swaps, but mm. first off, I-, I just want to say, I think this is a dramatic overpay for Rudy Gobert's services, but I actually really like the idea of it. I'm super high on how this is going to have Minnesota looking next season.
1: You know, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Rudy Gobert defenders um, Sure, <laughs> on God's green earth. Um, and I've always had the perspective that Rudy Gobert alone will make you a very good defense. Like Rudy Gobert by himself, four other players that can't defend, um, you'll be a top 10 defense. Mm-hmm. And you add in Carl Towns, who's one of the you know sort of most offensively gifted big men um maybe of all time you know he's claimed the 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 self-titled best um big man shooter best shooting big man of all time um and anthony edwards who was absolutely awesome in the in the play in (laughs) and in in some playoff games um you sort of combine those you say well okay i'm guaranteed to be good at defense because i have rudy gobert at center like no one's going to get to the rim. That's a very important part of of overall team defense is deterring and also um, challenging shots at the rim. So you add that in and you say, okay, and then I've got Anthony Edwards and Carl Towns to drive my offense. Um, And like you you go from, you know, sort of a Pythagorean uh, standpoint of just, okay, well, I'm good at defense, I'm pretty good at offense. Like you add those together and that's like a, a really good team.
0: Yeah. Minnesota last season was 8th in offensive rating and 13th in defensive rating. This is definitely going to catapult their defense into the top 10. And offensively, I would expect another developmental progression step from Anthony Edwards, probably at least the same performance, if not a slight improvement from Karl-Anthony Towns. So I think it's pretty theoretically possible that they are going to be top 10 in both offensive and defensive ratings, which there were only four teams that were top 10 in both last year. Those four teams were Phoenix, Memphis, Boston, and Miami. Mm. Golden State probably would have been there if Draymond was healthy and if we just look at the healthy Draymond numbers.
1: Yeah, and if you just sort of go from like a sort of plus minus standpoint, I guess the closest would be um Dallas who were 12th on offense and 8th on defense. You know, if you sort of balance mm-hmm. those out a little bit, they were this is using clean in the glass a point differential of plus 3.8 which is an expected wins of 50. And so if you say like your 10th in offense, 10th in defense, that's good for about 50 wins. You know, that's that could be a top four team in the West. That could be one of the better Minnesota Timberwolves teams of all time. And yes, the, the payment was huge, mm-hmm. but this is going to make them a pretty good team.
0: Well, and they had another really nice free agent signing in there, bringing in Kyle Anderson, Slow Mo, who... It has a little bit of a point forward vibe to him. Like, you can, he can distribute the ball and move it around. I actually kind of like the him and Joe Ingles similarities in just like a mental IQ aspect of the game. And Gobert played excellently with Ingles. Yeah. So I think this lineup's going to be really good. I don't quite know if you start slow mo or you bring his scoring punch off the bench. Yeah. I actually
1: uh, like he- the slow mo signing more before the Gobert trade. I think he really? just fits, yeah. Like when they, when they, because they they signed him before they did the trade. When they signed, him, I was like, nice. That's sort of what Minnesota needs, like a power forward who can defend and who can distribute, who's got size. Um, he'll be a good fit next to Towns, and all of a sudden, now k- Kyle Towns is your power forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could easily stagger it so you always have two of Anderson, Towns, and Gobert on the court, and I. I, I might consider bringing him off the bench. I am super high on Jaden McDaniels. It does really hurt me that they lost Jared Vanderbilt because I just love watching that guy play defense. They call him V8 for a reason. A um, lot of energy. He will foul out if you give him 30 minutes, but mm-hmm. it's just, just entertaining. If I told you have a crystal ball and, and I told you that Minnesota had the best record in the Western Conference heading into the playoffs next year, how crazy would you say that is?
1: Um. I and mean, I don't think it's that ridiculous. Didn't the, I mean, the Jazz led the led the league in regular season wins what was it like one season ago? Something like that. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you just, you just come back to... And the other thing too is like, the Timberwolves suck at defense in the past because Karl Towns can't defend the rim. And so they had to go to like all, you know, all this hedging, all this blitzing, trapping the pick and roll because like you just mm. can't play conventional pick and roll defense because guys will just shoot layups over Karl Towns. You can still do that with pick-and-rolls involving towns, but now you have Rudy Gobert on the backline. And so it's like you blitz the pick-and-roll if they involve towns, and you have Gobert cleaning up the mess. And that makes it easy for D'Angelo Russell as well, um, who's also a, a terrible defender, who I'm sure they would have liked to have moved off of, but have not. And so I think like the, the defense could be really good. The offense could be pretty good, especially if we see like another step from Anthony Edwards. Like he's one of the most promising young players in the entire league. Like This is a guy that could be the best player in the NBA um, in a few years' time. And so if he takes another step forward as an offensive player and as a creator, then you're really good at offense and really good at defense like the Utah Jazz um, at their best. And I think it's totally reasonable to be a really awesome
0: regular season team. Yeah, I was pulling up his shooting stats because I knew it got better post All-Star Break. And post All-Star Break, Anthony Edwards was shooting 36.4% from three, which isn't isn't great, but it's an improvement. And if you continue to improve, you know, he went from being basically 33% to basically 36% this year. On the playoffs that jumped up to 40%. If he can hit 40% from deep, then his shooting, Town's shooting, and Donovan, not Donovan Mitchell, that's that's Utah, and D'Angelo Russell's shooting out there, Gobert's gonna have a lot of room to operate. It's gonna be very similar to the Jazz offense. And that, I really could see this team being the, the number one seed going into the playoffs next year, which is not something that I would have thought to say about them.
1: Yeah. I mean, it sort of speaks to an interesting trend that's going on in the NBA at the moment, where we've so, we're sort of seeing the resurgence of big power forwards. With mm-hmm. you know Boston playing Horford, with the Cavs with Mobley, uh, to a lesser degree, the Bucks with Giannis. Like there are teams around the league that are playing big. bigs. Well, you say to a lesser degree with Giannis. <laughs> well, because he's he's not really like a a traditional slow big man. You know, he's not yeah. a traditional center. He's really mm-hmm. quick. And also Brook Lopez can shoot. So that sort of, you know,
0: makes that a lesser degree of, of just two who centers. There's, there's this great through line and I've, I've been in weird internet places recently Um, and I've been thinking a lot of Horace Grant and this is uh, a, this is an all ages podcast mate. we don't want to hear about your weird internet places, (laughs) not, not those weird places, but like the power forward position, late eighties, early nineties was a bruising physical rebounder. Uh, and, and then really, takes off, and you get Sean Campion, Carl, you get Charles Barkley, these guys that do a little bit, handle the ball a little bit, and do something. Um, and, and then Shaq comes along, and Shaq is such a dominant force that no one wants to play in the post. And so that next wave of fours are really like the way that Shaq could have been fives. Could kind of push down to four, and they start stepping out. You get the Duncans, you get the Garnets, you get the Dirks that are like, man, we don't want to deal with you physically. So like, we're gonna we're gonna step out wider, and we're gonna develop this greater skill set. Um, and, and then that's kind of what we have for a little bit, and then Curry comes along, and Curry says, "I'm I, I, I'm like the evolutionary nail to the shack coffin on the big man of." Now, if you've got someone that doesn't have those skills, can't step out, can't be more mobile, now they absolutely can't play. It's not just that Shaq forced them to start this. Curry said, if you don't have this, you're done. But now that we've got so many guys that have the ability to step out and switch and play and do these other things, you know, size, size is always going to matter in basketball. And now that they've developed this talent, like it, it seems really natural to get back to playing Two bigs just that are more skilled and more fluent,
1: yeah. And and like defensively, as a center, Carl Towns is bad, like as a rim protector for a sure. center, he's bad for a power forward. Like the dude's still seven foot, yeah. Like when your average power forward is like six foot eight and is you know just a shooting forward, mm-hmm. like he Carl Towns are going to be a better rim protector than your average four. And so, you add now a bad defensive center, but probably fairly good at the rim um defensive power forward with your five and you get that sort of dual rim protecting effect that the bucks and the celtics and the Cavs used to great effect
0: yeah i mean lowry marketing looked like a competent defender for a time dean wade has stuck around the nba uh, due to this this cav strategy so i think i think it could have really great impact and these are by far the best teammates that rudy gobert will have ever played with so i i am all in Maybe not all in because I don't quite think they're championship quality yet. But yeah, I mean, regular season yeah. wise, I think this team is going to be phenomenal.
1: And and that's the elephant in the room. And like the question that we've been dodging is like, does this work in the? How does this work in the playoffs? Um, I think disastrously. Um, yeah, I don't think you can play those two guys in the playoffs. Like if you go up against like the Clippers or the or the Mavs, and all of a sudden you're you're five out. Like, we've seen that destroy Utah in the past. And now you're even worse because Carl Towns is an even worse defender than, you know, Bojan Bogdanovich is. Um, and, like, you know, Carl Towns is not going to be able to stay in front of.
0: Is he? <laughs> yeah. No, he is. I mean, I mean, legitimately. I mean he's, he's way slower than Bogdanovich. See, I was going to say, I think he's faster than Bojan. <laughs> like,. Towns when Towns is doing well, Towns can take a lot of guys off the dribble. He's, you know, at least offensively, much quicker or with the ball. I guess I haven't clocked yeah. him defensively.
1: But you know, <laughs> I think I think he's quicker going a- going you know, going forward than he is going sideways. And if like you're going up against the clippers who are playing, you know, John Wall, Norm Powell, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Robert Covington, like what the hell is Carl Towns doing on the floor? Um, And so I legitimately think that there will be times in the playoffs where Carl Towns is on the bench because you cannot have both of those guys on the floor. Um, And if Carl Towns is on the bench, then where does that leave your
0: offense? Wait, you didn't mention Kevin Durant with that Clippers lineup. Are you not in (laughs) on the uh, Norm Powell and Paul George for Durant and Kyrie Irving trade Uh, uh, not really, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I do think that Bojan looks better because he's had Gobert to back him up. They get exposed in the playoffs, but it, I think the the general level of athlete and defensive ability in Utah or in Minnesota is much higher than in Utah. I think outside of Royce O'Neal, every other player other than Gobert that Utah put on the floor is a bad defensive player. You know Mitchell just did not try. Um, and, and I'm interested to see what happens this year with, with Utah. We can get to them in a minute. I, I think in general, there will be some more switching between Russell, between in, um, Anthony Edwards and McDaniels and slow mo to the point where they might be able to cover. And actually, if you have four positive or average to positive defenders next to Kat, he might be able to stay on the floor. Mm.
1: Yeah, and then but. they they've sort of gone for this – weird roster construction where it's like okay we've got d'angelo russell we've got anthony edwards we've got kyle towns you know anthony Edwards could possibly be a good defender the other two are terrible and so how do they compensate mcdaniels kyle anderson rudy Gobert, orion prince is at least like got size yeah and and so essentially you you surround those three guys with all you know good defenders and you hope Mm -hmm. that um, you know, they alone are enough to power your offense, which they realistically could be. Like Carl yeah. Towns and Anthony Edwards are really good offensive players and Edwards could be even better. Um, It's just going to be in the playoffs, I don't think Gobier and Towns could survive. And, and it does come down to matchups as well. Like not, you know, Utah really got screwed over by going against the Clippers and the Mavs. Like those are sort of the two teams that can play five out and still protect the rim. Um mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not like a, a a card that every team has to play, you know, it's they had unfortunate matchups of going against teams that had guys that could play the five who can defend and shoot, can protect the room and defend on the perimeter, and then also had a really elite offensive player. Um, and so, like, it's it's not like, you know, guaranteed first round exit, but you get the wrong matchup and it's like, what the hell do you do now? Like, is mm-hmm. Carl Towns
0: on the bench? Is Rudy Gobert on the bench? I guess we'll just have to wait and see. I had one last question I wanted to touch on with Minnesota, and that is, do you think they're going to have some of the Boston problem of not actually having like a true playmaker?
1: Um, I don't think they've got like I – mean, D'Angelo Russell is basically like a traditional point guard. Um, and Edwards at that the feels, two is not terrible. Carl Towns – feels- as a four, is I don't know. It feels average, wild to
0: say Russell is is a <laughs> traditional point guard from just just his development from being like a pure bucket getter, gunner to now he's learned some defensive of abilities. He's distributing the ball at the highest level in his career this last season. I don't know. I just part of my mind when I was looking through deals, I was like, oh yeah, Ricky Rubio went back to Cleveland. I was like, man, it would have been kind of nice if Rubio went to uh, Minnesota just backup guard have some studying minutes like go back home home rude mm, yeah and that, that'd give them like another nice defender because i don't really have another option
1: outside of russell like jordan mclaughlin yeah. i think is their backup point guard who i kind of like fine. but but like i'd like him more as like your third choice point guard yeah. um especially if you know d'angelo russell got destroyed in the playoffs and that's part of the reason that they didn't succeed is because he was mm-hmm. really bad um and they don't have any other option
0: at the one so I think that's probably more likely to be the bigger issue. Well, we'll have to see what if they can pull anything out of their hat. But who's another team you want to talk about? Who else's season have you kind of enjoyed?
1: Um, what do you think of, of the offseason that Boston has had? They were in the yes. NBA Finals a matter of you know weeks ago at this point. They came up just short against a really awesome Warriors team. Um, they're young. They should be improving. What do you think of the moves that they've made to their roster? With the goal of being
0: right back to the finals and making the you know getting over the hump. Well, I mean they've retained the services of Broderick Thomas, and I think that's going to have some pretty pretty extensive dividends, right? Well, it's it's ironic that you talk about dividends because um, I'm sure
1: his (laughs) remaining on the team is purely from a financial standpoint of um
0: (laughs) of of minimizing payroll. Yeah, no, I I love it. I mean the Malcolm Brogdon deal. Initially, I reacted very like, how could they pull this off? This this deal is a complete game changer. They got him for spare parts. And then I remembered that one, I was on here saying that I think Aaron Nesmith could have a nice developmental track and still be a functioning NBA player. And then two, Brogdon has been injured a lot, but he is the perfect player to fit their need. And then Gallo, as a spacing shooting, can you know pass the ball and create some offense on his own. Like if Horford if Horford's ever you know too tired from needing to do a lot on the defensive end, boom, you can slide in Gallo. If you know you want to go defense, you have the Grant Williams option. You want to go offense, you owe Gallo. Oh, you want to need some more playmaking, bring in Malcolm Brogdon. Gallo is gonna be a little bit more targetable defensively, but you got him for nothing. You got Brogdon for next to nothing. Um and I, also I they've gotten really good help defenders on the team. Yeah. Yeah, and this te- this team is deep. And starters, if starters stay the same, you got Smart, Brown, Tatum, Horford, Williams. That bench is now, if you shift it up a bit, you go a little bit smaller, you can go Pritchard, White, Brogdon, Grant Williams, and I don't know if Luke Cornette's still back. I'd like to see them. Oh, and Gallo, sorry. What am I thinking here? So it's they've got a good 10 deep that bring different things to the table. What we were talking about earlier with maybe not needing all of these guys to play in every series, but having the different switchable options. um, I think it makes them real dangerous.
1: Yeah, for sure. And obviously I think Malcolm Brogdon when he's playing is worth a lot more than what the Celtics gave up um, to. And also you get back to that thing of like you add a player without losing anyone from your like top seven mm-hmm. rotation um which is like a surefire way to improve your team um but a, as you noted like this is a guy that has never been healthy in his career besides his rookie yeah. season 48 games 64 games 54 56 36 like this guy
0: cannot stay on the court um and do you have his games played up in front of you yeah i was going to ask you how many games you thought he played last year <laughs> Yeah.
1: Well, last year was a little bit different because Indiana were tanking. Um, maybe they he got, sent him
0: the final eleven, but he still yeah. only played thirty six games. Yeah.
1: Um, so yeah, like he plays slightly over half the season every year. Um, but maybe that's enough for this Boston team. And, you know, you just brought up that they've got great depth. You know, he has played relatively big minutes per game his entire career. Um, This could be an option to take it a little bit easy with him in the regular
0: season and have him available for the playoffs. All right. Who has played more games in their career, Joel Embiid or Malcolm Brogdon? (laughs)
1: That's that's crazy.
0: I'm going to still go Brogdon
1: because at least he doesn't miss like entire seasons.
0: So the seasons that Embiid missed were 15 and 16 before Brogdon joined the NBA. Since joining the NBA, Brogdon has played in 333 regular season games. Embiid has played in 328 wow. regular season <laughs> that's If we crazy. include playoffs, Embiid has played in about 15 more games. Mm, man. Did, did you see that stat on how many games Kevin Durant and Kyrie played together? It's like 44 or something over the course uh, yeah. of three years. <laughs> yeah. Man, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really like it. It definitely protects them. I. You know, you've got the the Brogdon injury risk in history, um, but if he's healthy, I I do kind of think that this puts them above Milwaukee. And I really liked Milwaukee's idea. Hey, you had a good team, just run it back. You know, it's it is kind of the Boston Celtics way of. No one beat us when we're healthy, so we're just going to keep counting on that. But, you know, I actually think that bringing in Joe Ingles is probably enough for Milwaukee. Just bring it back, hope for health. Um, and then I saw what Boston did, and I think Boston is now my new favorite in the East. Yeah, I mean,
1: you have to imagine that the Bucks are worse this year. Like, all, all they did was bring back the same dudes, but a lot of them are older now. Like, Brook Lopez is older. They brought back Serge Ibaka um Portis they just probably overpaid Joe Ingles is coming off an ACL tier and is 34 years old like Pat Connaughton he, he actually got brought back on a pretty reasonable contract he picked up his player option which was pretty cheap um so that at least is a good contract um but like they don't have awesome depth and a lot of their guys that they are going to be relying on are old like Wes Matthews they brought back like he might be a starter for them at 35 at, at 35 years old they are probably prone to the exact same flaws
0: that cost them the series against Boston of just, like, lack of playable pieces. There is still the chance that Giannis continues to develop, that Grayson Allen can improve a little bit. Um, Javon Carter had some nice minutes for the playoffs. Like, Mm. they're not all too old. Middleton is 30, so this is kind of when declines usually start. It would have been nice to see them swing for the Brockton deal. I don't know, maybe they're still out so many picks from the the Drew Holiday deal that mm. they can't. But I, I was totally fine with, with Milwaukee's offseason. And then you look at it in comparison to everyone else's year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. M- Miami probably haven't improved. What do you think of the Sixers offseason? Have they done anything?
1: They they brought they brought in PJ Tucker. Oh my god. And and Daniel House. They're getting the Rockets back together.
0: If I was in beat, I would be furious. <laughs> like legitimately. What are you doing here? Like this didn't work in Houston, and now you're building the same core and team of guys around Harden. Years later, you need to build this team around Embiid. You think the no shooting of House and PJ Tucker, and don't say corner threes because he's he's an average to below average corner three point shooter at this this stage in his career. Like you're just going to allow people to swarm Embiid. This is not how you should construct team when you've got. Uh, I don't know where to, where I rank Embiid in the league. I've been looking into it, trying to gear up for top 100. There's a case to have him in the top five. There's a case to put him at seven. But but when you have one of those guys, like why are you not catering to him? And why are you... Is Daryl Morey still good is a fair question to ask.
1: The, I'm on the other side of that. Really? I, I think that this is exactly what they should be doing. Of like You said build around Embiid. Well, what do you need around Embiid? Okay, A powerful that can shoot and and ideally defend. Well you got PJ Tucker, and I will not stand for any PJ Tucker three point corner shooting slander, okay? PJ Tucker has led the NBA in three point corner shots made in the last four seasons and shoots forty six percent out of the corner. And so if, if all he's gotta do is stand in the corner and make threes, like that's that makes Embiid's life easy. And adds adds one more you know, they're the first competent forward defender. Like they had literally no one. Tobias Harris was their big wing stopper. And now they upgrade that to PJ Tucker, who I think is probably the best power forward that they reasonably could have gotten. Um, you add in Daniel House, who he's had sort of an up and down career, both on the court and off the court. He's been a little bit, um, you know, inconsistent. But again, like this is a guy that can make enough corner threes. I thought he was actually really good in Utah last season. I think it was better than Royce O'Neal was, um, especially like towards the end of the season when Royce O'Neal couldn't stay in front of anyone. Um, His his O'Neal's defensive effort was way up. His three point shots went down at a decent rate, and like just with the limited assets that Philadelphia has available and all of their needs to get a guy who can kind of defend and kind of shoot, I think is a big win there as well. And so I think that, you know, you say they need to build around Embiid and, and they're doing a bad job of that. I think this is the best that they could
0: have done. I think they've done a great job. That is wild. <laughs> I, I, I'm i a bit stunned. to he, Like, I, I was expecting you to be more in, in my line of thinking <laughs> with this. I, I don't fully know how to respond. It just... You are getting older, you are getting slower, you are... Getting better at defense and
1: better at shooting. Like, what more could you want with Embiid? PJ gave... Tucker never gets hurt too. Plays
0: like every single game. He's 33 years old. No, sorry. He plays... <laughs> no, he's 37. <laughs> that <number> he's, <laughs> making, he's making 33 million. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah. Now, like, uh, it, it, admittedly, the contract was not overpay. Like, not this year, but... Almost definitely by the end of it, like he's gonna be paid too much money. Um, but that's the sacrifice that you make when you sign an old player, is you pay him more in the late years than what he will be worth in order to get him now. Like he could have gone back to back to Miami, he could have gone to back to you know Milwaukee. There's a number of different places that he could have gone to. Um, and getting the three-year contract is what made the difference for the Sixers and fills their biggest need of a guy that can shoot and defend at
0: the forward spot. Are we sure he can still defend? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm pretty sure Tatum had some really nice games against them. Tatum also had some terrible games. I just, last two years, as we've seen tucker go against tatum and get torched and go against, against durant and durant get torched i'm i'm just saying i think <laughs> I, I think signing when you're off your big offseason acquisition is a guy that is 37 years old and you're gonna pay him till he's 40 and this is the largest contract of this man's career <laughs> man is that true yes wow yes that is 100 what, what, what a
1: late bloomer come coming into his prime at 37 years old you want to know what he was paid in Houston? Um, what,
0: like the mini mid label? Like $4 million? 7.5, 7.9, ah, and 8.3. Nice. He, he's supposed to be. This is the first time that he has made eight figures. Nice. And you were giving that to him at 37 years old. <laughs> Shout out to PJ Tucker, man. No shout out to Daryl Morey just falling in love with his old guys. Like, does he not remember Daniel House tanking the bubble for them? Almost getting yeah. the whole bubble shut down? Yeah. Because he decided. What was it? Was it a. I don't think it was an actual hooker, but it was an extramarital relationship that he decided to bring into the bubble. This is the savior that you want to put around and bead these guys? No, get get out of here. And I should say. This is not just me backtracking to cover all bases, but I do think James Harden is going to be healthier this year and is going to be rejuvenated. There's always been already been some of that off season. Ah, he's really putting in the sweat, putting in the work type of talk coming out. So I do think that Harden at least is going to be better. But man, I, I, I this is not the way. <laughs> what What about um
1: D'Anthony Melton off the bench? You do you do you hate that move as well? Two years 8 million for
0: Anthony Melton. You know, you got to be a Danthony Melton guy, right? I am, but here's the problem is I'm also a Danny Green guy, and I think that gets gets really swept under the rug because I've heard a lot of people being like, "Ah, Melton is a great acquisition." Um, but Green had some moments for them, and when Green was hitting his threes, the whole team functioned a lot better. Uh, Melton has kind of a shrieky shot. He hasn't shown a ton of consistency with it, so, you know, I'm I think it's a good move it's it's a younger guy at least like that's a younger guy but you're gonna miss Green's offense and Green's defense and Green's leadership so I'm not as in love with it as the rest of basketball media
1: yeah like I'm, I'm a big Danny Green fan as well like the amount of slander he gets is pretty absurd for a guy that just like wins no matter where he goes like there's you know at a certain point there's a correlation there mm-hmm. but he's hurt and he's gonna be out for a long time and at his age Coming back from a major injury. Like, I don't know if you can really count on him to still be able to, especially defensively, just being able to move around. I think they'll miss him, but they would have missed him if they brought him back too.
0: Yeah. I mean, with Milwaukee signing Joe angles you know, you don't need these guys for the regular season. You need these guys for the playoffs. And, you know, we we just gave glowing reviews of Gobert to to Minnesota and we're like, ah, but we can see how this goes in the playoffs. We know how some of these guys perform in the playoffs. And I guess I'm willing to sacrifice 40, 50 games in the regular season. If I think my team can still make the playoffs and I'd rather have the playoff performer.
1: Yeah. Like, like I said, I love Danny Green. He's probably like one of my favorite
0: players of all time. Did he play for the Clippers? Where's the Clippers connection? I don't remember a Clippers time. (laughs) He's one of your favorite guys. You never played for the Clippers? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I love three and D players. He's like the one of the best three and D players of all time. And I love winners and he's a massive winner. Um, But like a, 36 year old coming off, you know, like the dude tore two different ligaments in his, in his knee, like a couple of months ago. Like, I'm just not sure that
0: when he's back, yeah. that he's even going to be like, you know, playable. That's fair. All right. Well, who's our next team? Who, who else do you want to talk about? <laughs> it's a solid <laughs> C plus off season for the Knicks. <laughs> I, I don't know. I have no excitement about it. You know, it's funny to see how quickly some people's narratives and perceptions of Brunson change from him being being an exciting player to being like a ooh now that he's paid like he needs to be your guy or one of your guys and he is just not that um what what do you think of the contract do you think it's an overpay i think it's an overpay i don't know that i entirely hate the overpaying you know, of players like I'd rather directly overpay to sign someone than to overpay to trade for someone. It's like that—that that you're giving up assets that can't be replaced. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Th- this helps keep the Knicks in the hunt for the eight seed. I- I'm not not overly excited or underly excited. I think it has bigger implications for Dallas than losing yeah. Brunson. But it's hard for me to get too excited for for what New York is really pulling off when Isaiah Hartenstein is is the second biggest name they've they've brought in. <laughs> yeah that's kind of weird that they brought back mitchell robinson as well hartenstein's a great backup yeah i guess so also robinson's deal wasn't it cheaper than uh yusuf nurkic's i want to say
1: yeah well he's a worse player than yusuf nurkic when nurkic is playing
0: yeah but robinson's got younger less of an yeah. injury history i want to say yeah Although i, I sure. guess he does still have so i was just it, it's a pretty friendly deal what was it four for 60 so like 15 mil a year that's that's nothing, especially there is an upcoming cap spike. I'm trying to remember when the mm. the CBA is supposed to end. But by all accounts, it doesn't sound like they're gonna smooth it again. So if they don't smooth, we're gonna have another huge spike. A lot of these deals that may seem like overpays now, you know, the Brunson deal might yeah. look a lot better. Yeah. when you get Robinson on a what's already a semi friendly deal, that's gonna look real friendly before it's done. Yeah,
1: yeah. And I'll I'll give you one number that I that I heard on um, Jalen Brunson, like he is the fifteenth highest paid point guard in the league. Doesn't that just seem really? like just about right? That seems wild. how How many? but but doesn't that seem fitting that he'd be paid at about the rate of the fifteenth best point guard in the league? You know, like he's like a he's like a average starting point guard and he gets average starting point guard money. Like point guards get paid a lot. That's a
0: lot. I can't believe that 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 is that much, yeah, point guards are super important, yeah, but there's also so many good ones. <laughs> you know if you live in an area that's got like 50 burger joints and they're all really good burger joints like this is this can be the best burger joint place in New Zealand and then you got one taco stand and like it's the it's an okay taco stand globally but like it's the only taco stand I would expect that taco stand to get a lot of money and the burger joints to be pretty dirt like you know it has the funds dispersed among them that that seems wild to think that there are 14 more. 14 higher paid point guards than Bronson.
1: Yeah, I think that just sort of like re-emphasizes the fact that, you know, a lot of people's like perspective on NBA salaries doesn't like move fast enough. Like the, the salaries grow every single year and you sort of get tied to certain numbers. Mm-hmm. But to think that like an average starting point guard, they get paid like 20, 25 million dollars. Like you've sort of got to change your perspective on what NBA
0: contracts look like. Okay, I think there's some finagling with the numbers here because I i, I went and pulled up a <laughs> list of of it, and like Curry, Curry's up there. Westbrook, Lillard, John Wall is still technically being paid more, but you know the, the Wall and the Westbrook, um, yeah. All right, let's see. You, you got Trey Young up there. I don't know if they're counting Luca in that stat. Kemba is still technically making that money, although he was bought out. That is his salary figure for the year. You know, if you guess, if you count Ben Simmons, Irving. Jamal Murray, D'Angelo Russell is making thirty one. And just because this is the average, still does not make this good. I'm looking. At, these are some of the worst contracts there are left in the league. If, no, this is reinforcing my position that this is a bad deal because you know if you're looking at it, you're like ah this is these are some of the worst contracts in the NBA. Why do we pay point guards this much? See if if. Every single point guard is overpaid,
1: then no point guard is overpaid. NBA point guards are just worth more money. It's the most important thing on your team to get a good point guard. And so you pay them more like an average point guard is worth literally twice as much as an average center.
0: Do you remember when Phil Jackson hired Derek Fisher and paid him like way more money than, than like the normal coach? Mm. That's good. I don't know who did that for point guards. But whoever did that deserves to get the <laughs> Phil Jackson management treatment. Just like, okay, you're done. Goodbye. Oh, point Point guards are important. Uh, okay. Can I talk to you about a team that had a point guard related move?
1: Mm.
0: I want to talk about Denver. Okay. Because Denver, in part because they've already traded off a lot of their guys, they had a very quiet, very non-splashy offseason moving out Monte Morris, and bringing in Contavious Caldwell Pope and Ish Smith, uh, they also who sent um gosh why is why is the name skipping my oh Will Barton Will Barton yeah which I think there's one way to look at that deal and say that they gave up you know the best player and then probably the third best player in that deal and they got guys two and four but I actually really love the fit and you know I, I've been trying to really think about how do you win on the margins like. How do you kind of make those small moves that add up to being something useful? And I, I really liked the, those kind of quiet acquisitions. Yeah, like I'm, I'm also
1: a big um, fan of KCP. I think that the, one of the biggest mistakes that Rob Palenka made was moving off of KCP well, that move brought in Russell Westbrook, so that is a horrific <laughs> I, mistake. I don't think it's gaining Russell Westbrook. I think it was losing KCP that really tanked the Lakers. Just another guy who can defend multiple positions, shoot credibly, can dribble the ball if he has to. That's useful. <clears throat> Going from Monte Morris, possibly the best backup point guard in the league, to Ish Smith, like a replacement-level point guard, mm-hmm. is a little bit more rough. But yeah, I, I like bringing in KCP quietly, this was also a tax saving move. Yeah. That's why they got them under um, luxury gave, tax. Gave up the best player in, in Monte Morris and this deal was that so they could save some money, which I fucking hate. Like when you've got the best player in the history of your franchise and he's in his prime, like Nikola Jokic is 27 years old. Like don't like dodge the fucking luxury tax. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> you got like maybe 3 years of Nikola Jokic's prime. Like, just this is the time to pay up and then you can save some money later. Like, <laughs> don't be making downgrades to save some money when Nikola Jokic is in his prime. Um, but yeah, KCP is a nice move. Bruce Brown also that they brought in yeah, at like a really cheap price. Like, Bruce Brown is, is a really tough fit in that he's a... Shooting guard defensively and a center offensively, but when you've got Nikola Jokic who can play on the perimeter, space the floor, and like Bruce Brown is a really good rim runner and cutter, like Nikola Jokic is gonna find him for easy buckets, time and time again. Yeah, and so and so, I really like that move to to get another good defender and a guy who, even though he can't shoot, and that's the reason that he's paid three million and not thirteen, mm-hmm. um, like nikola jokic is one of the few players that can make this guy work
0: i i'm going to defend the moving off of monte morris mm-hmm. and it, he is a player that i really like i mean what it, his nickname is the count of monte assisto yeah like one, like one of it. the great NBA nicknames just just a classic one <laughs> I, I think i think this team is maxed out with him as their backup point guard and he's he's still young he is uh born in 95 so you know like 26 years old. So he, he's still still young and still could hit another stride. But I think I think Denver really realizes that if he is your backup point guard, the, there's a cap to how much he can provide. And they kind of, even with Murray, they kind of need another point guard there, someone else to help run the team um, when Jokic is off the court. And I, I like the idea of moving off of him to try to give Bones Highland some more time and say, hey, It's a gamble. We had a sure thing, a rock solid, really good sure thing, but that thing was not going to be a great thing. Let's see if Bones can be a great thing. And then we have Ish and Facundo Compasso as like third string point guards.
1: Yeah. Um, Hopefully they bring back Austin Rivers, my guy. (laughs) If not, he can always go sign in Philly. (laughs) Oh, actually, now that you mentioned that, <laughs> I'm all in on that.
0: Yeah, I um, can join your your great PJ Tucker, Daniel House. He, he he knows the ways. Um, you know the back
1: tunnels in the Staples Center if they even need to go and fight the Lakers or the Clippers. Oh my gosh, he
0: was on the Rockets. It's for a yeah. minute too. So like, yeah. it would it would fit the mo that they're operating under.
1: Yeah, one of the weirder moves of the offseason so far was also made by Denver, which was signing DeAndre Jordan yeah. very early in free agency. DeAndre Jordan is being cut by like his last five teams because he fucking sucks. Um and they had DeMarcus Cousins, who was like one of probably the better backup centers, um, once he sort of came into a rhythm and like provides a good, you know, some good minutes when Jokic is off, um, <laughs> as another guy that can keep the offense moving and so to swap that out for deandre jordan who like he can't play like deandre jordan is like shouldn't be in your rotation and to do it so early like there are still guys in free agency that are, that are better than deandre jordan and so to just like go move early bring in deandre and be like right we're set it was a like a weird move do you want to know my theory on this one is, is it vibes like i know deandre jordan is like a really good vibes guy <laughs> are they like is it is it a Yudonis Haslam situation? They're just bringing him in for vibes. Listen,
0: you're in Denver. Weed is legal there. Vibes are great in the city. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, my my theory is that some intern fucked up royally, and they like had DeAndre listed on their like board of free agent targets as like DeAndre okay. Ayton, and he just <laughs> went. <laughs> and like negotiate this deal. And it's like, guys, we got we got DeAndre Jordan. He's going to come for like four or five. He's going to take like this one year deal and give us give us a try. And they're like, holy shit. Yeah. And they go on the line and they're like, DeAndre's going to do this? And the agent's like, yeah, we're super excited. We think, you know, him playing along, he can play alongside Jokic. They can have some two man game, and it's just like hyping up his client. And then they like send over the offer sheet, and it comes back DeAndre Jordan, and they're like, "Oh, okay, Kevin, you're fired." Yeah, <laughs> like Calvin Booth is like busy negotiating
1: with teams to like save four million dollars in luxury tax. So he just hands off to like some random assistant that's been recently promoted. Mm-hmm. He's like, "All right, that just like I can get us DeAndre."
0: So like, what? Well, yeah. Okay, let's do it. That, that is 100% my thoughts on how that all went down. <laughs> Do they have the same agent? That would be the only way that this could be better. I, I don't know. But I had I had another free agency thought. And I you're the cap guy, so I need to know if this crazy loophole is possible. Okay. You, know how guys, <laughs> you know how guys are restricted free agents, and then it's like yeah. kind of shitty because no one wants to offer them money because if yeah. it's like a good deal, it's going to get matched.
1: And, and also it ties up your cap space because you've got to like, they can just sit on it. They don't have to match it right away. You can just yeah. let that office sheet stand and then all the other agents are gone. Yeah. Could someone sign a
0: 10 day contract?
1: I don't think you can sign 10 days until like a certain point in the season. Okay. You, I don't think you can sign 10 day, uh, January 5th. yeah It Ugh. has to be January 5th before you can sign a 10 day. So you have um, to hold a, a out. T- a two way. That could be interesting.
0: I mean, yeah, it gets it, a little
1: bit tricky because you've got to have like fewer than what, like three years of NBA playing.
0: Yeah, but you could sign like a two-way. I, I was just thinking, like, hey, you sign a ten-day, and then the ten days go by, and then you turn around, and you're like, all right, mm. now I would like a near-max dollar deal, yeah. and I'm an unrestricted <laughs> free agent. No,
1: no, they're, they're, they've thought they've thought through everything to um, squeeze young players. Jeez.
0: Yeah, these fucking lawyers. <laughs> uh, well, I, I promised Aaron. That we would at least talk semi-favorably for his kings
1: yeah about the fourth worst team in the west
0: oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) it's really hard when you start stacking up rosters but like I, i like what they did in the abstract you know uh keegan murray had a hell of a debut in summer league yesterday um malik monk signing is is pretty nice i don't entirely understand atlanta trading off of kevin hurter and maybe we should touch more on atlanta uh after this but yeah it, it's several solid acquisitions and they're still just so far because of how stacked the western conference is
1: yeah i mean maybe fourth worst team in the in the conference was a bit rough like they're probably the fifth worst team in the conference um depending on how the jazz turn out which i don't think is going to be very good um are you expecting another donovan mitchell trade i think i think that's what it's leading up to right I like when so you too. when you've got when you've got Trader Danny um running your front office and like Quinn Snyder just leaves and you dump Royce O'Neill, your only competent defender, for a first round pick.
0: Like I think that's where it's heading. Um so so Aaron wanted to bring up the possibility of Davion Mitchell and King's picks, which I think have a greater value because of the historical implications of the franchise for Mitchell.
1: Yeah, no, I like it. Absolutely. Like if there's any picks that you want to have, it's like unprotected picks into the future of a team with an old star, like those like Lakers picks in like 25, 26, 27, like they're Mm -hmm. valuable. Same thing as like, there's another team with, yeah, you you, you get the point anyway. Um, It's either that or like, unpredicted first round picks of franchises that suck and like yes the Kings are going to be good like Donovan Mitchell and Darren Fox would be pretty sick offensively like they'd be a pretty good team mm-hmm. You with, with unpredicted first round picks like you're making a bet in any first round picks like you're making a bet on where the future of the team is going to be and <clears> of <throat> all the franchises that you'd want to bet against like the Kings are right up there.
0: Yeah and just once again, with how stacked the West is. Looking at last year's standings, Phoenix will still be better than them. Golden State, still better. Memphis, better. Dallas, they took a step back when losing Brunson, still gonna be better. Utah, uh, we'll see if they make the trade. So that's one team that might be worse than them. Denver, still better. Minnesota, still better. Los Angeles Clippers, still better. Pelicans, still better. Spurs, will be worse. Lakers, provided we get some health from LeBron and Davis, and Probably possibly Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. We'll we'll see. You know? <laughs> um. But but that is that is nine teams that are almost locks to be better. Um. You know the only ones that are kind of locks to be worse are going to be OKC, Houston, San Antonio. Yeah. And then Portland's kind of a wild card.
1: Yeah. I mean, Portland have Damian Lillard and Jeremy Grant. Like they should be a good team. Um. But yeah, they, they do always somehow manage to underperform. I feel. Um, so, so maybe you could give them that, but like, at best, this Sacramento Kings team is a play-in
0: team. Um, and now, probably the lower side of that bracket.
1: Yeah, yeah, and like they do have a really nice pick-and-roll duo. Um, it's it's really hard to just like know like what to do with this team. Yeah. Because like they they probably are moving off Harrison Barnes this year. Like he's in the final year of his contract. He I can't imagine he'd want to be back. And so, like, if you want to get anything for him, like, you've got to do it now. He should have done it last year or the year before, um, but he probably has to be on the move. And you're probably not going to get a player back that's as good as him. And so you're getting worse there as well. But you just traded for DeMontis Sabonis, who's like a win-now kind of player. So it's, like, really confusing as to, like, where in the success
0: cycle they are trying to be. Honestly, if it comes out tomorrow that the Kings have agreed with Harrison Barnes for another four or five-year extension... Or not five year but like a, a two or three year contract extension yeah. that, no, that would make a, a ton of sense
1: yeah they, they, they
0: could extend them i guess yeah god that bagley draft pick just really set them back just just looking yeah. you, you know it's kind of like how, how do they have no assets and if you look back their 2019 pick they don't have a first round because they traded it away they preemptively they picked bagley in 18 um you know Fox before that, but then Marquise Chris Willie Cauley Stein Nick Stauskas, a <laughs> finalist Nick Stauskas, uh Ben Mclemore Thomas Robinson, like these are some bad picks, and, and that's not mate, be we,
1: we we follow possible cheers on TikTok. We know about the Kings'
0: long list of bad draft picks. I know, and I, I wanted to say <laughs> something positive for for my guy <laughs> here uh because i know i know he's gonna text me in like five hours when this is yeah this this what post- the fuck post- man you said that you say nice things about us <laughs> i i i think they're better i think the malik monk sign is nice i think yeah. this is a very competent team yeah
1: like I, I was i was trying to find something nice to say about them like they they are better like they've got a whole bunch of like kind of good NBA players like jeremy lamb can kind of play kevin Herder is is a good pickup um like they've got a lot of like decent
0: players. It's just like the West is so tough. Yeah, the West is gonna be f- like fucking ridiculous. I also think that this this does kind of speak to the talent that is in the league right now and probably why we're ready for expansion. Um that that you look at a team like Sacramento, and I think in a normal or or if we just went back a decade, this team would, would be a playoff team. This team would be a yeah. seven or eight seed. Yeah, um, they just box
1: them onto Sabona, Terrace and Barnes, like that's those are three good players to build your team around.
0: And maybe they would. Be, maybe they'll still make the playoffs this year if they stay healthy and someone else gets hurt. Yeah, but, I mean that
1: inevitably happens, right? Like someone's going to get hurt and
0: yeah, drop out. Yeah. All right. Twenty eleven. The eighth seed was the Memphis Grizzlies. The Grizzlies were led by Zach Randolph, Rudy Gay, Mike Conley, Marcus. I want to say this is the year that they traded for. Uh, no, this is not the Tayshon Prince year. So. Gay gets injured middle of the year. This is Mark Gasol, Zach Randolph, Mike Conley, Tony Allen, and Sam Young as a starter in the playoffs. I think this Kings team is more competent than them. Yeah, like Fox,
1: Sabonis, Barnes, they're not that different than Conley Gasol Randolph. And they they probably have a bit of depth too.
0: Yeah. But it just it, the NBA is constantly getting better. These players' careers are lasting in you know, for 15 plus years. And so like talent, talent just gets better. It just continues to stack. Yeah, it's it's time to expand. Mm. Well, real quick, because I know we're running a little bit long, but let's touch on the Hawks. I, I hate to say it, but I think we're gonna have some pretty similar takes to to some of these other teams in that these are, are big moves. This is a big swing um, and, and it might not make that big of a difference. How, how do you feel about Atlanta?
1: Um, I mean they addressed two of their biggest needs which in in, you know perimeter defense and another ball handler like DeJounte Murray is like an all-NBA defense level guy and averaged like almost twenty ten and 10 last year like he's a really good player and fills I think their two biggest needs more capably than pretty much anyone else they could get he's still young he's on like a pretty decent timeline to Trey Young so I think it's like a pretty good
0: overall move. Yeah, it's a lot of picks going out. First off, I just want to say the tank race has already begun. San Antonio was going for Victor Wimbenyama. Indiana oh, yeah. is going for Victor Wimbenyama. Absolutely. But like they have, they have said, okay, step aside, OKC. I know how much you like them long, lanky boys with you know flexibility and passing and shooting. And yeah, we like them too. You're not going to tank alone for this. But I don't know if I really see this as moving the needle, and I'm kind of holding off on Atlanta because I want to see what else they do. I think they move Clint Capella and or John Collins. I was thinking the two of them in some sort of Rudy Gobert deal. Maybe that now yeah. becomes a DeAndre Ayton deal. Yeah, Actually, if that becomes a DeAndre Ayton deal. I feel much better about this this team. <laughs> could um, be a really good fit, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you could get Ayton and have your starting lineup be Young, Murray... Bogdanovich, Hunter, and Aiden. You have no bench. Um, the bench is a, a major weak point, but
1: uh, you got they, they they brought in Justin Holiday and, and Mo Harkless.
0: Did they keep gorgy Dang? Is, is he still on the roster? I think he is still in
1: free agency. So they could bring him back.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, AJ Griffin, I mean, that was a steal of the draft night. I was I was really excited to see him get to Atlanta because they they'll make good use of his talents, but i don't know where, where do you think this makes atlanta stack up as currently constructed in the eastern conference
1: yeah i mean that's the hard part is like they're coming from the eighth seed i mean mm-hmm. they probably just got better but like the east is like pretty good as well like it's not quite the west where you go like you know 12 teams deep of like really solid teams but like atlanta were ninth last year the knicks are below them probably got better the wizards below them probably got better and like none of the teams above them, like, I mean, the Nets might be worse, but they're trying to stay in championship contention. So I was like, how far can you really move up? Like, the Cavs yeah. are right above them. They're probably going to be healthier next year. You got the Nets trying to stay in contention. The Bulls uh what they are. The Raptors, you know, the Sixers, I like their off season. The Bucks, the Celtics, the Heat, like, it's really hard to, to move up. Um And this is like a really... I think it's a really good move for them i just think that like they have so many issues that it's really hard to for them to to move up um like if, if capella is healthy and can be good at defense again like that makes a huge difference um trey young is like the good beer of offense like if he's on your team you're just going to be good at offense it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. I so see if you can get a healthy season and hopefully a good season out of Clint Capella defending the Roman DeJounte Murray, defending, you know, point of attack ball handlers, and then DeAndre Hunter's got size and Justin Holiday is a decent defender. Um, like if you can cobble together a decent enough defense where you're not one of the worst defenses, then all of a sudden you're getting to be a better and better team. But like how much can they actually move
0: up, like looking at the teams that are above them? I mean, my very preliminary projections of standings next year would go Boston, Milwaukee, probably Philly, then Miami, Toronto, Chicago, Cleveland, and then Atlanta. And maybe mm. maybe they jump Cleveland, so that puts them at seven. Yes. But it, it's just, it, it's hard. Moving up in this league is hard, and they gave up a lot to get there. I I am excited mm. the fact that they will always have two very solid ball handlers on their team. Like, you you know, you can have Bogdanovich and Trey on the floor. You can have Bogdanovich and Murray on the floor. You can have Trey and, and Murray. You know, you will always have two two really solid ball handlers. So th- they're going to be a lot of fun to watch, but I don't think they'll be significantly better.
1: This move is sort of added to the trend um, that moves like the Rudy Gobert deal have also contributed to, which is I think the... Uh, devaluing of first round picks from teams that are sending them out like there was one point uh, sort of earlier in the sort of 2010s where Brooklyn you know traded all of their first round picks and then ended up in like a really rough place where no franchise wanted to be and then all of a sudden first round picks became very difficult to get a hold of like Mm -hmm. teams weren't sending out a lot of first round picks because they didn't want to end up in the situation where the Nets were. Then I think we're we're seeing reversal of that, where now they're being sent out super liberally, like five first-round picks for Gobert and three for Murray picks. Their their value for trading teams is It's gone
0: down. Yeah. Yeah. Can we stop saying five picks for Rudy Gobert? Okay, four and a half picks. Is that better? No, because what what are we going to say? It's actually six because they drafted Leandro Balmaro the previous draft. Like, all right, you're right. It should be six first round picks for Govia. Uh, I just, it's it's silly, um, and you know there, there are still some more players available out there. Um, but I think most of the remaining uh, major action is going to happen via trade um, with you know the. The possible exception of Colin Sexton, but he he is restricted. I uh, just I, I want to real quickly kind of read over some of the the top names remaining in free agency because mm-hmm. it gets it gets kind of dark. Um, so we got DeAndre Ayton, who I, I think this is going to be a little bit lengthier of a process. I don't yeah. quite know where he's going to end up, but he's probably getting traded. Yeah, it'd be very disappointing if he just comes back. Miles Bridges, who had his oh yeah. I posted a TikTok about this for anybody listening to the show that doesn't know Michael Miles Bridges uh, is currently under investigation of f- felony domestic abuse charges. Uh, Charlotte actually made the one of the bigger moves I've ever seen a franchise take, and they revoked their qualifying offer to him, um, which now makes him an unrestricted free agent. Uh, and you know, I would really hope that the league does not make any move to sign him. Yeah, I was going to ask you
1: that. Like, can you see any team like signing him at all at this
0: stage? Yeah, Um, and that's the kind of the terrible thing about sports is that so often talent wins out over humanity. The NFL has a lot of guys that, not a lot. I don't want to paint with a broad brush, and but they've had a number of guys that you know get convicted of domestic violence and domestic abuse, and they still get contracts. And, you know, last offseason, we had both Chauncey Billups and Jason Kidd, who are both one was was, um, accused of rape. And by all means, these stories are not for the faint of heart. If you go read that testimony, that woman 100% was raped by one of three NBA players, if not all three of them. Um, you know, please confirm with rape. Like, there is, there is no if, answer, but this woman was sexually assaulted. The question is, who did it? And since you don't know who, all three of them walk. Um, you know, and then you've got Jason Kidd, who did beat his spouse and is now head coach of the Mavs. Um, you know, teams will always choose the talent, and I think Bridges will probably eventually walk because there is not a ton of great evidence other than you know her her injuries. So uh, eventually someone will sign him,
1: yeah, typically, the NBA has been a lot more progressive on a lot of things than the NFL is, um but like there are a number of guys that are accused or you know have domestic abuse charges that are also on teams, like there's um you know Kendrick Nunn had some accusations there are
0: there are other guys that don't come to mind, but like well, and that's wild because like i I didn't even know about Kendrick Nunn. And the name that came to my mind was Derrick Rose, and you said Kendrick Nunn. I'm like, oh, I'm a Lakers fan. I was excited about that signing. Um, you know, it's just it's not something we talk about in sports that much.
1: Yeah, uh, um, Rajon Rondo is another one. Like there, there are guys in the league who have had these accusations or these charges brought against them um, who have remained in the league. I think mm-hmm. the difference with this one is that like it, normally it's such like an abstract thing that it's easy for fans to sort of ignore it. Mm -hmm. um but this case with like the visual you know seeing photos hearing his son describe the abuse that his mother was enduring Mm -hmm. and like hearing the stories from from bridges um partner it's like makes it a lot more real for nba fans and i can't imagine any team like finding this dude like the nba is pretty good at, at, at shunning dudes like you know um Myers Leonard, for example, like the NBA sort of just agreed. They're just like, oh yeah, screw this guy. Like, you know, he's he's probably should be on a roster, but you know, it's not worth the trouble. Yeah. Um, and Bridges is like a totally different level of talent, but I just cannot see any NBA team getting away with bringing this guy in. I, I wish I had your optimism. At least for now. I, th- I think it'll blow over soon and he'll be back. But I think for now, I mean, he might miss like a season before he can come back,
0: yeah, and people I, I forget mean, about it. Myers, leonard did did two things. He didn't stand with his teammates, which alienated a lot of teammates, and then he uh, he did an anti-racial Jewish slur. Which I mean, just statistically speaking, there are a lot of Jewish owners, in the NBA. So like, you alienated players and owners. Um, uh, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, the Miles Bridges move. Doesn't alienate them as much as as it really should. So I think it's I think it's sad, but um, you know, you think LeBron's going to give up a chance at another ring because he, he doesn't want to play with Bridges? Uh, he, he's already welcomed and thanked. I forget who the Cleveland Browns traded for, but he had the same uh, abuse charges levied against him. So like, yeah, I think Bridges is going to sign for a much smaller deal. He'll probably get a, a you know minimum. Or, you know, mid level, like tax player mid level, but I think he'll probably sign somewhere and have a, a sizable impact uh, in the next season and all will be forgiven. Yeah.
1: I, I just think that, like, if Woe sends out a tweet right now, like Miles Bridges is signing with the Lakers on a one year deal, I just don't think that the Lakers could bear that publicity.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, I mean, if, if you win a championship and, and he's like up on the podium and the entire reason that they were able to sign him is because. No one else wanted to because he credibly abused a woman. Like, mm-hmm. I think that's just
0: such a rough look. Yeah, it's, it's a horrific look, but it's a look that so many teams, teams have done and, you know, kind of slid under the table. And this is really yeah, public like, right now, but... I, <laughs> yeah, like, I, th- I think it'll blow over
1: eventually and he'll definitely be back in the NBA. But, like, I think for the short term, um, I can't see any team giving him a contract.
0: I don't know how long of a term this is. Like, are we talking short term as in one year? Are we talking short term as in, hey, October rolls around and this is kind of fallen from the public eye? Yes. Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I think like maybe we're like halfway through the season, you know, like buyout time, there's a story that comes out that like Miles Bridges has gone through anger management therapy and, you know, counseling and blah, blah, blah. And now he's signing with the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think
0: that would be tolerable. Mm-hmm. I think that would go over fine. And that is all supposing that there's no jail time. Yeah, yeah. Like you definitely can't sign a guy right now with pending jail time. Although who yeah. was it? Malik Beasley last year that was uh, on like a house arrest where he could go play home games but couldn't go on the road because of
1: Yeah. And and the all-time great um NBA moment of KCP playing with an ankle bracelet.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Completely forgot about that. We were we were praising him like 45 minutes ago. <laughs> God, what are, yeah. what are those charges for? Uh, let, me, let me find out. I want to say like DUI. And then then there's the other remaining Charlotte Hornets, his free agent who is currently um, facing felony drug charges. Uh, that is Montrez Harrell, which it is a, a lot. I mean, you know, we were running through the teams in the Eastern Conference. That's still going to be better than the Hawks. And I almost said Charlotte. And then I was thinking about those two guys. And I was like, that is that is going to be a sizable hit. No pun intended. Sorry, I'm just trying to remember what KCP actually did. I think it was it like was a, a parole d-
1: violation. It was but a DUI. Was for. Right. Yeah. So DUI, and then he
0: was supposed to do random um, drug screenings, which he didn't do. Yep. Uh, DUI in Michigan, then violating parole. So what got the ankle bracelet, which I'm going to say, you know, hey, I'm I'm a lot more forgiving. And this is a, now a PSA, don't drink and drive people. But like, I'm a lot more forgiving of someone drinking and driving than of someone you know beating their spouse, we'll we'll, we'll put those scales there. I'm more okay with uh, a DUI on my Lakers than a a spousal abuser. Um, but then, the, like the remaining free agents outside of those guys are Carmelo Anthony and Dennis Schroeder. Mm. Mm. Wow. That's that's how slim pickings we get down to. Wait, wait, would you like a Lakers reunion for either one of those guys? I honestly wouldn't hate Carmelo Anthony coming <laughs> back. <laughs> yeah. Who, who, who have you replaced him with? Are you guys like done with your team? Yeah, we've kind of just gone with this like length and oh. athleticism. Um, we brought in yeah. Lonnie Walker, who I, I follow a, a Lakers stat account that shared another stat account that showed that Lonnie Walker was like the 439th best defensive player her last season. So I was like, Nice, <laughs> yeah, I was like, Oh, that's that's not helpful. Um, you know. Got Damon Jones, a guy that we had on a 10 day contract. We, had, we signed him like three 10 days and then said, now nah, we're good. And then this year, gave him like two years, eight mil. Well, uh, just, we, we didn't need to let him walk. We, we could have had him. We, we know that he worked well in the system. Um, so, yeah, with, with all of the other options out there, I'm not opposed to bringing back Carmelo um before free agency
1: i said that the litmus test of whether the lakers had a successful offseason or not was whether or not they brought back carmelo and so the fact that you're advocating for it um tells me that this offseason for them hasn't quite gone um as well as
0: some might have hoped it it has not i'd be interested to see if anyone else would bring in carmelo apparently there's Mm. buzz around it a carmelo Knicks reunion wow hey more playoff success in new york than kevin durant That's crazy. (laughs) Uh, Well, do you have any other takes for this uh, this free agency kind of roundup? Oh, why don't we do a prediction? Where's training camp?
1: Where is Kevin Durant? What what team has Kevin Durant by the start of training camp? I'm I'm gonna say Brooklyn. I don't think he I don't think he gets moved. I'm gonna go with the Suns, but I think Brooklyn is also incredibly likely. You see Skip Bayless's tweet. No, I try to avoid Skip Bayless's tweets. He he had a he had a somewhat interesting take. He said, "If I was Joe Sy, I would tell Kevin Durant that he's under contract for four more years, and he's playing for the Brooklyn Nets, and he's going to play with Kyrie and Ben Simmons, and he's going to win a championship with the Brooklyn Nets."
0: I mean, I I remember a similar time when Kobe was kind of demanding out after the Shack the trade, mm-hmm. and then there was the the like famous ship his ass out for Andrew Bynum, and like. When you're on a long-term deal, I don't know why teams don't try to stand up up to guys. I mean, we—it it feels like people bitch and moan about the player empowerment era. You have billionaires who sign these guys' paychecks. This is labor fighting against management, and very rarely does labor have the upper hand. I am surprised that we haven't seen a management smackdown. I'm, I'm just—I'm just saying. Yeah, this—this this could could be the the time
1: um, that like NBA teams gain a little bit of power back, like. If, Ke- if the Nets say to Kevin Durant, like, no, you are under contract. We don't want to trade you. You signed to be here. Mm-hmm. You're playing for this team. There could be a real shift in the in the power dynamics. Where especially like the Brooklyn Nets have been like the absolute face of player empowerment. Like you know, you had Kevin Kyrie saying that him and Kevin and Shaw Marks will be making some you know off season moves. Um, like they are as involved in (laughs) front office moves as probably any player on any team um and so if the nets are able to swing that around and tell you know one of the biggest stars in the league like no we're not just going to do whatever you say Mm -hmm. like that would be a a massive swing back in terms of
0: team power and really what's durant gonna do pout sit out a year yeah Like, yeah, like of of all the players in the
1: league, I think he's the guy that could not do that. Like, he just loves basketball way too much and considers himself like too much of a professional. Like, he could not do what James Harden did. He could not do what Ben Simmons did. Like, this is a guy that cares about basketball games.
0: He also is a guy that is in very rarefied air, just legacy-wise, Is speaking. I mean, we are talking, I don't think you can make a case that he is not top 20. That just, I mean, maybe maybe you could fight me and try to get him as low as 25, but this man has a chance, depending on how these next three, four years go, to get get top 15, get in that top 10 potentially. Um, and I think he knows it. And I think legacy matters to him. And, and I think if you say, hey, you can sit out this whole year. We're not going to pay you. You're going to take this financial hit. Your legacy is also going to take this hit. How, how do you want to go? How do you want to write your story? I don't see him him sitting out.
1: Yeah, and even just for like his own, like his numbers, like he could, he's not that far off of passing like Kobe in all time points. Like he he's less than a thousand points behind Kobe for one, two, three, fourth all time scoring. Is he ahead of Jordan already? Uh, no.
0: So what? He's got to be like five hundred off of Jordan. Uh, let me bring it up.
1: All time leaders points. Oh, hang on, I think it's giving me playoff end. This is playoffs, regular season.
0: I actually really love the playoffs and regular season view for things. Mm.
1: Okay, no, that was giving me playoff stats, I guess. Yeah, that was playoff stats. He's actually really far down the list. Where the fuck is he? Uh,
0: I was going to (laughs) say, yeah, he's 8,000 points back of Jordan in the combined um, 7,000 back in just regular season. But to be fair, guys usually get around 2,000 points a year. So if you're saying he is 7,000 back of passing Jordan, if he plays four years... And that does mean he needs to actually play the games in these years. You know, this last year we only played 55, he got 1600 points. If he plays 72 game seasons, he's gonna hit 2000 points. Yeah, and that'd basically get him to top 10, right?
1: Yeah. And then yeah, another another couple years and he could easily be, yeah, like Jordan
0: Kobe. It's his legacy. How does he wanna write the final chapter do you want to fight for everything, or do you do you want to kind of have them partner with you? And so I think I think there is a good chance that things things continue in Brooklyn in a way that we haven't seen with other superstars demanding trades. Yeah, if he scores two thousand points this year, he he moves up basically to twelve. So yeah, he he will hit top ten in all time points. Well, I think that's that's going to do it for us. It's been another wonderful episode of the Hoops Temple podcast. Come like, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Also, don't be afraid to check out our buddy Possible Shares. He'll be back next week. Talk to you later.